Glory City, Brisbane, the mothership. We belong to Glory City Church and um, Pastor Catherine and Tom Ronala are the senior leaders of Glory City Church in Brisbane, but also they oversee the whole network. And we're under that banner and they run the academy, which is a Bible college, essentially, isn't it? <laughs> it's a Bible college. Um, and it's awesome. It doesn't spit out dry, crusty people that have been, I don't indoctrinated. Uh, it, it spits out, I'm like, I'm looking for language here. I'm like, how, how do I put this? It raises up sons and daughters who, knows the fa- who know the Father. Uh, it raises up people who know who they are in Christ um, and who are equipped not only in the gospel but in, in practical ways of applying the gospel in, in the real world. They raise up people who know God and, and who are going out to be a light in their world. It looks like something. And so I'm so excited that they're here on their missions trip. So they sent three teams, one to Darwin, one to Maitland, one to Coffs Harbour, um, to network churches. Uh, they landed on Thursday, and it's just been a blessing, even just to me, to have them here. They're humble. They are fiery. They know the Lord. They're passionate. And I think um, that you will be blessed as some of them share their stories today. But I'm going to hand over to Nick. He's leading the team. So let's give him a hand, hey? Thank you, Pastor Naomi. And thank you to Pastor Tom and Grace and your leadership team as well for just having us here. You have really just embraced us this whole time that you've been up here and blessed us as well. So... My name's Nick. I'm the online pastor for Glory City Church Brisbane, and I also get to lead this team up here today. So um, we're just going to share just a couple of hope stories with you all, and um, yeah, just really uh, uh, enjoy our time with you and serve your community today. So I want to invite Ellen up to share the first story. Hey, guys. Um, Hello. So I know it's already said, but um, thanks for having us. Hey, yeah, thank you for having us, for letting us take up your time today. We get to worship the Lord together. How exciting. Um, So hope story, i.e. just a testimony. Um, It's kind of just, yeah, how Jesus transforms us, right? Um, So yesterday morning, there were a group of us. We were, um, this was before we went out on the streets, we were all sharing our own hope stories, our own condensed version. And um, just the, the fruit of sharing hope stories, right, it changed the atmosphere, right? It actually invited Jesus to minister to, to our own hearts and infuse hope into our, our own situations, right? So I just want to invite you guys today to not just listen to the words that we say, okay, but to hear what Jesus has to say to you, to you guys, and into your own stories, yeah, because hope is alive, hope has a name, and his name is Jesus, Um, yeah, so my story, I, um, just give me a second, so I grew up in uh, a non-Christian home, I um, 
had a relatively traumatic experience at the age of 12, um, where my family was just faced disunity, not at anyone's wrongdoing, but we nearly lost my older brother, actually, to cancer. We didn't, praise God. But that um, massive twist as a 12-year-old, it threw me off my path. And it led me to high school, just full, a high school experience full of depression and anxiety, where um, I didn't really want to exist. It was really hard. Um, and so after school, I went on, I would call a few different adventures where I was searching for an answer, right? I was searching for something bigger than myself. And that took me a few different routes. Um, the first route was alcohol and drinking and looking for the best party. And I would party a few times a week, and I would find myself in some very unhealthy relationships, and it was just sort of heartbreak after heartbreak, right? Because Jesus wasn't there. He was, but I wasn't looking for him. I didn't know to. Um, the next little adventure I went on was, um, was actually an obsession with exercise and fitness. And so I became very fit, very well sculpted. But it turns out you actually can't find happiness in what you look like, in like improving your appearance. Um, it's just not there. It's not there. Um, then the next little adventure I went on was um, a bit of a drastic shift. I looked to the new age. So I looked to meditation worldly meditation it was, clearing, emptying my mind of anything. I looked to yoga. I became like a woman's circle leader. We worshipped the moon together. It sounds very weird, but, <laughs> and it is. <laughs> but um, yeah, it's, it was just like I was led by my feelings and there was actually just no hope. There was no rock. There was no stability in anything that I found there. And so... All throughout these experiences, though, I found that I would have moments, like little glimpses of the weight lifting off my shoulders. And by little, I mean like periods of five minutes or so. But it impacted me enough to, to make me realise that there's something more, there's something beyond what I'm doing right now, yeah? And so it was almost like I actually believe now that that was the Lord encountering me, wanting to speak to me, wanting to like, yeah, wanting me to look for him, not for everything else of the world, right? And so, um, yeah, I was looking for the source of light. There was um, a day on the 6th of August in 2017. I was in what I called the pits. It was horrible. It was really hard. Um, but I reached out to a friend who I thought might be able to help. And um, it's funny because so they were a Christian couple and they were leading a church. Um, so I went to them like before their church started. Um, just I didn't want anything to do with religion, religion what I thought was, yeah, um, dry and horrible. Um, so I, I went to them just wanting help and they said, 
Well, the best thing that we can do to help you is invite you to invite Jesus into your life. And I was like, oh, okay. Um, All right, like, let's do it. I'll wake up tomorrow and, you know, whatever. Nothing will change. Um, So I casually invited Jesus into my life. Because I wanted, I wanted help, so and I was seeking their help, so I just did as they said, and um, the Lord saved me. <laughs> he saved me. The the weight, you know, those glimpses that I had, it came back, and it actually hasn't like it. No, sorry, it left. The weight left, and it hasn't come back. Like. He, he took it away. He took the burdens away. He, took, he, he, he showed me that he is the source of any kind of joy that we, we ever need, right? And he came to live inside of me. Literally within about 24 hours, I, was, um, I found myself parked outside of my car, outside of my house in my car. Um, this, something just rose up within me, and it was speaking in tongues. So I had been baptized in the Spirit as well at the same time. And um, yeah, I had no idea what was going on, but I just knew it was like, if anyone's had a baby here, like uncontrolled urges to push, that was like, it was like coming out of me. It was like, oh, I, can't, I need to release this, otherwise I'm going to explode, right? <laughs> and that was just like, That was just the beginning, hey? Um, He's led me on some pretty wild adventures, I'd say. Um, I've spent time, I was first introduced to Glory City Brisbane maybe six or so months later. I went to a conference there and I remember Mark Greenwood was preaching. Um, Everyone probably knows who he is. And um, I was just completely moved, hey? Just like, the message of righteousness, like, it's our reality. It can be our reality when we, when we know it, right? It, the Bible says it's not just the truth that sets you free. It's, you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. So it's like, what are we, what are we fixing our minds on, right? What are we thinking about? What are we thinking about? Are we thinking about the righteousness of God and the way that he's transformed us, how he's so alive in us, right? And that we are free in him, yeah? Like that old stuff, the old stuff, that's not us anymore. Yeah, we're free, we're alive, and hope is real. (laughs) Yeah, Um, what, oh, Yeah, there's been, like, many other adventures. Um, I became a midwife while I was a Christian, and that's been a huge blessing to me, just to be able to witness people, me being in the Lord and being able to minister to people in that space. Um, I feel like that's, that's really, like, deeply a part of my calling in the kingdom. Um, and... Um, he's, oh, here we go. Here's another one. He's also, this year since starting Academy, he's um, uh, reconciling my family. Yeah. Um, so my parents now know the Lord, and my brothers are next. 
And um, yeah, but that reconciliation, like that has actually blown me away. Um, this is just another fruit of knowing Jesus is um, people actually like reconnecting in really healthy ways and healing of relationships. Um, it happens, hey. Um, but yeah, I, that's, that's pretty much my story. Yeah, thank you. Thanks, Wilson Gus. Praise the Lord, hey? Um, next up, we have Catherine coming to share her story. Thanks, Ellen. That was just another great testimony of how wonderful God is. Thank you. So, just going to put this on. So 1 John, mine's more of a testimony um, that I have to sort of follow along with because I'm a lot older than Ellen, so I don't want to miss anything out. (laughs) 1 John 4.19 says, We love because he first loved us. And I can't help but love Jesus after all he's done for me. Prior to my salvation at age 39, I believed in Jesus, but I had a traditional religious Um, relationship with him so I virtually didn't have a relationship I just knew he was up there so nine years before I accepted Christ uh, our 11 month old daughter injured her eye quite seriously in a fall surgery and many appointments followed at the eighth checkup the doctor told me she would soon need more surgery and have to have a glass eye she was then only 13 months old and this precious daughter that I wanted so pretty hard. I remember on the two-hour bus trip home, I wept bitterly. I was just inconsolable. Psalm 147.3 says, he heals the brokenhearted and binds up their wounds. He did this for me on that bus. In an instant, he planted great hope into me and my sobbing ceased immediately. (laughs) He's so good. Over the next 14 years, his goodness and mercy surely did follow us, as Psalm 23.6 promises. And while God had us under alternative care options for Rochelle, such advances were made in the medical arena that she didn't have to have that glass eye. And on her wedding day, she looked absolutely radiant and beautiful. And no one can tell she's blind in that eye and that she has an ocular implant. So praise God. Life ticked along well until Rochelle reached 19 and was in a relationship with a young man that soon became a domestic violence one. The normal course of isolating her from her family, from her friends, and then frequent um, threats of suicide to manipulate her ensued. As many parents know, children really don't want to know what their parents think about their choices of boyfriends and girlfriends, so we lost all influence over her. She was living at home but convinced that marriage was what she wanted with this man. And I just thought, this situation needs God's intervention big time. (laughs) So his word promises in 1 Peter 3.12, For the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous, 
and his ears are open to their prayers. And then in James 5:16, it says, The effective fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. Yeah, so that's what I did. When the relationship ended after two years of mental and emotional abuse, she needed 12 months of counselling to be restored. However, Rochelle was able to say that she was grateful God protected her physically and that that experience taught her who not to marry. She only told me last week, when extolling the virtues of her wonderful husband of 11 years now, that she saw the frequent oil spots on her pillowcase, the windowsill and the door, <laughs> and knew her room was being anointed with oil and prayers were happening. I never knew she knew that. So on this conversation a few weeks ago, I said, why didn't you say anything at the time? I didn't know you knew that. She said, Mum, I knew I was doing the wrong thing by being involved with this guy. So you just never know. If you're in a tough situation, you just never know how much God is intervening in the background. So God heard and faithfully answered our prayers. Praise Jesus. <laughs> and Rochelle now counsels domestic violence victims. <laughs> so God doesn't waste anything. Yeah. Numbers 23:19 says, God is not a man that he should lie nor the son of man that he should change his mind. Does he speak and then not act? Does he promise and not fulfill? That scripture in Acts 16, 31, that says, believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved, you and your household. These were prayers that were prayed a lot over my family. After I became born again, Rochelle was saved soon after. Then God delivered our second son, Shane, from drugs on the very same night that he became born again. Instant, instant. Yeah, hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. My husband, a wonderful man, had a very, very different journey. The enemy spoke lies to him that I had belonged, I had been sucked up into a cult once I became born again, and that I, I would be persuaded to divorce him. Now, we had been married very happily for 17 years at the stage, so he was desperate to make me see the error of my decision. <laughs> Jeff was so exasperated that at times he became really argumentative. My wonderful Jesus voice in my head was so clear. It, was all, it wasn't audible, but it was in my head, but it just drowned out any other noise. Catherine, just love him, just love him, just love him. The grace of God was beautiful. Now, I'll just say at this stage, it had to be his grace, and the evidence that is spoken about in 2 Corinthians 5.17, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Behold, the old has passed away and the new has come. I say this because it was easy to become the wife that Paul talks about in Ephesians 5.22 when he wrote, Wives, submit yourselves to your husbands as you do to the Lord. 
Definitely Jeff loved this new, gentle, non-argumentative wife. <laughs> Although it did rattle him for months, proclaiming early after my salvation, I don't even know who you are anymore. You're this totally different person. Let me say that just encouraged me greatly. I thought I must be on the right track. They told me I'd be different. <laughs> after 15 years in 2006... We faced an almost impossible financial situation. There seemed no way out and we were going backward very fast. Jeff realised his great need of God and had a radical conversion, being baptised in the Holy Spirit shortly after being born again. Yeah. God proved himself faithful to his word yet again. So 2 Peter 3.9 says... The Lord is not slow in keeping his promise, as some understand slowness. Instead, he is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. Yeah. Now, I have mentioned two of our children, Shane and Rochelle. Our eldest child, Adam, had accepted the Lord at age 14, but roots had not gone down deep and his life reflected that. His heart was still beautiful, but just very worldly. Six weeks before his 37th birthday, on February the 13th, 2016, our family began the hardest journey of our entire lives, as we were told of Adam's death in an accident over in Switzerland where he lived. Because we knew God and his word, our family could join in a circle supporting each other on that first morning while crying out to God. We didn't understand it, but we knew that all things work together for good for those who are, um, love God and are called according to his purpose, as Romans 8.28 says. The pain was excruciating. We could barely put one foot in front of the other. But Jeff and I refused to look at anything but the character of God, knowing that he is a good father. So for decades prior to Adam's death, prayers for his salvation and me asking Jesus to visit him in his dreams went up to heaven because he was in Switzerland. Once again, I'd lost influence, you know, from being in my home. The natural would suggest that Adam died unsaved, but some months after his death, I was contacted by a casual acquaintance who attended our old church. God had given Renee a lengthy vision of an encounter Jesus had with Adam in his dreams a few days before his death. So Jesus is faithful. When you ask, he does it. She shared with us and um, she shared this with us, and Holy Spirit showed her that Adam is now in the Shekinah glory of God. There was a whole interaction between Adam and Jesus that went on as well, and she shared that with me too. And she didn't know Adam, but everything that she told me told me that this was a real vision. So thank you, Jesus. God is faithful and cannot deny his word, and his promises are yes and amen. In August 2019, Jeff passed away from a four and a half year battle with cancer. 
and his hospital room as he was dying, we all felt the presence of Jesus. Worship music playing as Jeff went to the Lord and his heavenly home. We had just celebrated 45 years of marriage. Since then, God has exchanged my mourning for dancing and hit me with six months of a joy bomb. I was so joyful all the time, I had to give up drinking coffee. <laughs> uh, yes, I was just, just far too high for probably 18 hours a day. <laughs> he was insistent I go to Academy last year and this year, um, where even more healing has occurred. I read the Bible differently now, and I love the intimacy with Jesus that is fostered in my life. I've since had more lies that the enemy told me, exposed, incorrect beliefs revealed, and now the relationship I have with my Heavenly Father is I just climb onto his knee. I'm excited for my future, and I know I'm working, walking in the plan and purpose that he has for my life, plans to prosper me and not to harm me to give me a hope and a future, which Jeremiah 29, 11 says. So finishing off, God has shown himself trustworthy, kind, loving, loyal, merciful, constantly good and always faithful. Psalm 34, 19 says, Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but God delivers them from them all. He certainly has done that for me. He has never left me in either the easy times or the most difficult times. I just want to encourage you, you can trust him as well. You can trust him with your heart, your life, your circumstances, your finances, your children. You can trust him with every minute of your day and night. Thank you. And... Following me, we have the awesome Cody. <laughs> Thank you, Catherine. I just want to uh, apologise in advance. I've had a blocked nose all day, so if my voice sounds a little nasally, I'm sorry. Um, so I had a full thing planned on what I was going to share on, but <clears throat> in worship, we're singing a line... Um, where it's like, we want to know you, Lord, like we know a friend. And Holy Spirit asked me to share about what friendship with him has looked like for me. So I'm just going to flow with it because I got no notes on this. <clears throat> and we'll see where Holy Spirit takes me. But I'm a third generation pastor's kid. My grandparents, pastor's my parents are pastors, my auntie and uncle were pastors, and my big brother and his wife have just taken up the young adult pastor role at Glory City Brisbane. And that in itself, if I'm honest, was a bit of a struggle for me as a young kid, as a young kid. So I haven't known a Sunday without church. I haven't. And so I've been in a lot of different churches and met a lot of different people. And so it's an honor for me to be here with you guys today. It's a big honor. And I just want to honor you, Pastor Naomi, for honoring the call of God on your life. So thank you so much. Darwin needs it. Darwin needs it. So my story as a kid, I, um, 
all through school, I had a lot of bullying that happened. Um, I had a lot of struggles with friendships. Um, I don't know why. I just I couldn't connect with people. I was kind of the guy that was well-known, but no one wanted to do anything with. I've, to this date, never had a sleepover before. Um, it's not even if, as if it was a small school. It was just... I just struggled with it. I just struggled with friendships. And I didn't have very many friends at all. And um, going into high school, I thought that would change. I did. I got into grade eight and I was like, okay, mum and dad, this is, this is the time. I'm changing schools. This is a new community, knew a lot of people. Um, life is going to look a bit different and a lot better for me. Funnily enough, praise the Lord, I, I met a really cool dude. His name was Zach in the first week of grade eight orientation. And we, we hit it off very, very quickly. We became really close friends. And I was like, sweet, high school is going to be great. Um, and that, it was all looking up for me. We had started organizing a, a sleepover and yeah, a lot of, a lot of fun stuff. And it was in the, was in the end of s- term two break. I, um, my mum got a phone call from a friend of our friends asking if we'd heard the news. And unfortunately, um, Zach and his family were actually killed in a car accident that week. The car it, it blew up and it, it happened instantly. And um, a moment like that, it really tests what you're made of. Hey, like... You can either turn one way or you can turn the other, and I turned to anger, I turned very angry to God. As a pastor's kid, you know, I'd heard everything. I'd sat in every Sunday school lesson. It was just like suffering. I was the question of suffering. Why would God take someone away? And <clears throat> after spending about six months of pursuing, finding a reason to not follow Jesus, every road led back to how real God is. Every single road. I looked into everything from evolution to science. I looked into other religions. I tried to find things to prove God wasn't real. And I I didn't succeed at all. I couldn't. I just couldn't succeed. And some would say that could have something to do with my pastor's parents, background, it had nothing to do with that. They told me to go on my own journey and come to my own conclusion. Um, And so what happened, I came, after that six months, I came to dad and I was like, that's it, dad, I need to give God, I I was at rock bottom, I need to give God my everything because he's real. And I had no one else. I was was at rock bottom. So in a moment, I gave my life to the Lord. I got baptized the same day. And it wasn't some extraordinary, massive encounter. It was just one moment, one decision of, yes, I'm going to start pursuing Jesus. And from that day on, I don't know how it happened, but a pursuit of Jesus started, a pursuit of reading the word, a pursuit of praying and and seeking God started. Now, what happened is as I went through, I finished year 10. After year 10, I started an apprenticeship. I'm a fully qualified cabinet maker by trade. And so for probably about the last eight years, ever since I've really, eight, nine years, ever since I've really started pursuing God wholeheartedly, 
I've always struggled with having close connections with people. And so what that has done for me is I learnt what friendship with Jesus looks like. And the scripture in Hebrews 13 is, Hebrews 13, 5, it is a direct quote of Deuteronomy 31, 6. At the end of it, it says, I will leave you, never leave you nor forsake you. And that scripture was such a foundational, solid rock that I stood on that when it seems as if there's no one else, if I was feeling lonely, I was feeling isolated, I was feeling like it was just me, <clears throat> I had confidence that Jesus was there. And so whilst I was doing, I was doing 60, 70 hour weeks at work as a teenager, I was 16 and I was too tired to go out with my mates. So in 70 hour weeks, I was leading a team of six at the age of 16. Every time I'd come home and I'd spend time with the Lord, every morning I'd wake up and I'd spend time with the Lord because that is the only thing that could get me through a week that's 70 hours long. <clears throat> and so if I can encourage you all in anything, like I, none of us, none of us are perfect. There are days that I've missed it because I've slept in. There are days where I've fallen asleep trying to read my Bible. But regardless of what you do in your workspace or if you're studying or whatever it looks like, you can make time for the Lord because He desires friendship. He desires friendship. And it is so bittersweet when you, <laughs> when you are so overcome with the reality of how close He wants to be. It completely changes every single aspect of your life. When you come to a place of being able to fully surrender, it's like, okay, Jesus, that's it. This is how I'm feeling. I give it up, but I know you want to be my best friend. And so where, like, I'm at the academy and I've got a great community I love. I've got so many people I'm in great relationship with. I come back to the point that regardless, you take all that away, I'm so secure in who I am because I'm best friends with Jesus. I'm best friends with Jesus. And so this is, this is also like if you're in your seat thinking that you don't know what it's like to have friendship with the Lord, simply start by asking him to show you what it looks like. Because he desires intimacy. He desires intimacy. And that word could be a bit scary. I understand that. It was to me at first. But regardless of how it feels, he desires to be close because he's always speaking. He's always on the move. He's wanting to make himself known to you in such a way that, I tell you what, some of the best encounters I've ever had with the Lord have been in my bedroom by myself. I had one encounter where I felt a physical hand on my shoulder. I felt the physical end. I'm trying not to get emotional. I felt the physical hand of Jesus on my shoulder. Don't ask me how. I don't know how, but I can't deny it. It's what he longs to give you. It's what he really longs to give you. So I'm best friends with Jesus, and friendship with him is possible. He's not some dictator, ruler. There is hope in friendship. It doesn't have to be rules and regulations. It can be such a beautiful journey of dancing with the Lord beautiful journey of dancing with the Lord. So if I can leave you with any hope, it's that 
regardless of what you're going through, regardless of your past, your future, none of that matters if you're in direct relationship with Jesus because intimacy with him is key, friendship with him is key, and staying in that place is what he desires. So bless you all with that. He loves you all so much. Jennifer, I'm going to introduce Jennifer. <clears throat> Jen is absolutely amazing, and she's a weapon, absolute weapon. Thanks, Cody. That was um, really awesome hearing you guys speak and your stories. There's so much wealth, isn't there? So much hope for all of us, and um, we've all got our own story to tell that's being developed as well, because we're on a journey, aren't we? And um, I just would ask um, everyone, if you wouldn't mind, just closing your eyes. I just want to just pose a couple of questions to you. And um, I'd have to say right now <laughs> that, um, yeah, if this was your last night on earth and, um, you know, you didn't make it home tonight, do you know where you'd go? Do you know? Do you know that Jesus is the door, that the only way to the Father is through the Son, that he's the doorway? And I just would invite you, if, if that is your reality, that you may have come here through an invitation of a friend or you might have been thinking about coming to a church for a while, but, um, yeah, maybe this is your first opportunity to hear the reality of the love of God. I just ask you, um, if that's you, can you raise your hand? Yeah. Thank you. So I want to give invitation tonight to receive Jesus as your Lord and Saviour, to come out of darkness into light, to come out of despair. Often we do find our place, uh, ourselves in a place of despair and know that, that he's love, he's love and he's full of light, he's all light and that he can transform our lives. And the other question I'd like to put to you is, do you know Jesus as a friend? I was actually raised in a Catholic household and I never knew that you could find a friend in Jesus. I never knew that, as Cody has explained, as Catherine and Ellen have explained, the reality of, of, of knowing Jesus as a friend, not as um, someone up in the sky who was looking at for you to make a mistake. It's not him at all. It's just the religious... Um, yeah, perception, it's not true um, because God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that all who should believe on him shall not perish but have eternal life. And I just want to ask you if there's anyone here who you feel like um, you need a breakthrough in trust and intimacy with the Father. I, I was one of those people who, who had great difficulty in relating to God as a father because I'd had my own issues with my own dad and although I did through the grace of God forgive him for the things that had gone on in my childhood I still had struggles with the father but through the Holy Spirit and um, his patience with me he's been able to show me the love of the father so I just want to ask if there's anyone here if you would just maybe raise your hand and you can see that no, 